0: Namaste Motherfuckers.
1: Welcome to Namaste Motherfuckers, the only podcast where the worlds of work, comedy and well-being collide. I'm your host Callie Beaton and this episode is called Music and Fashion were always the passion. Oscar Wilde once said, Fashion is a form of ugliness so intolerable that we have to alter it every six months. Now, fashion means different things to different people, as my daughter will often say to me when I'm getting ready to go out. There's a group of chimps in Zambia, for example, who wear blades of grass in their left ears as a fashion statement. And the macaroni penguin got its name because their yellow feathered crests are like the feathers on hats worn by dandies in the 18th century which is also, by the way, where the Yankee Doodle nursery rhyme comes from. Stick with us, younger listeners. In 16th century Venice, it was the height of fashion for women to colour their nipples, like a sort of early Studio 54. And a recently unearthed statue suggests that the fashion for British men in the 1st century was a mullet and a moustache, exactly like 21st century Hoxton then. Proposed company names rejected by Companies House in the past have included Blue-Arsed Fly Designs, Fanny's Kebabs, Sugar Tits Limited, Manhole Limited, Cocktease Fashion Limited and Go Doggy LLP. I'm
2: in our office actually, just um, in a quiet room in, the, in our office, looking out over the office garden.
1: That's my guest today, Wayne Hemingway, one of this generation's best-known designers. The US Stars and Stripes flag that we know today was designed by a 17 year old for a class project. He got a B for it. And the designer of the iconic smiley face, a man called Harvey Ball, was paid just $45 for his design because he never took out a trademark on the image. He says he has no regrets. Hey, I can only eat one steak at a time, drive one car at a time. I think that's bollocks, he must be furious. In graphic design, the use of too many different fonts is known as the ransom note effect. And while testing a top secret aircraft design during World War II, the pilot wore a gorilla suit and a bowler hat so that any witnesses who reported back wouldn't be believed. A common mistake that people make when trying to design something completely foolproof, said Douglas Adams, is to underestimate the ingenuity of complete fools.
2: When I'm here, I'll stay, I've got a place in London, we posh like that.
1: Wayne Hemingway is a bit of a legend. He founded the infamous Red or Dead label back in the 90s when he was just 18, together with his wife, Geraldine. They were rarely out of the headlines for the next couple of decades, for everything from using real people, not models for their catwalk shows, including turning down Kate Moss, no one was turning down Kate Moss in the 90s, and making their workwear in actual prisons. At one point, they had 23 shops everywhere from Tokyo to Reykjavik to Toronto. They now had up Hemingway Design, a multiple disciplinary design agency focused on place, people, and a positive social impact. Wayne and Geraldine were both appointed MBE in 2006 for services to the design industry. Wayne and I talked about love, marriage, families, Burnley, Morecambe, Camden Market, Kensington Market, music, fashion, Northern Soul, male role models, mixtapes and affordable housing. But I started by asking him about the origins of Red or Dead.
2: Yeah, well, Red or Dead <clears throat> came out of a, um, the fact that I met my wife on a, on a disco dance floor in, um, in Angels in Burnley back at the turn of the 80s when we were still teenagers. And um and then ended up in London um, together in London. I was playing in a band, um, running a nightclub as well. Never had any money, um, and Camden Market was just was just getting going. And we we read about that there was this new bit of Camden Market, the Book Street Market next to the Electric Ballroom, and um, decided. Well, <clears throat> Jodine had always made her own clothes, and had a and had a wardrobe of stuff that she wasn't wearing anymore. I I'd been. You Know from the age of 13, night literally nightclubbing at Wing Casino All Night as through punk punk at 15 in 1976, through post-punk, neuromantic, rockabilly, you, you name two tone, you name it, all those things that had happened in the 70s. And I'd all and I'd always worn secondhand clothes or adapted secondhand clothes and just had a wardrobe full of all sorts of stuff, especially my old punk clothes, which you know, by 1980, 1981, anybody who'd been a punk in 1976 was not wearing, you know, had been through so much more since then. But you didn't get rid of the, those old, amazing leather jackets that you'd customised and all of that kind of stuff and stuck it all, basically stuck it on Camden Market. Took 300 and odd quid that weekend and the rent was six quid, I think. And 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 that was it. And then, so we we, we had loads of, every weekend we went down to Camden. We just ended up with 16 stalls. Dean got a... Geraldine opened a, a, a stall in Kensington Market. You may I remember, remember that,
0: yeah.
1: I do remember, I yeah. used to go to it, yeah. yeah.
2: And, um, and, and um, even before she put labels in her clothes and called it, we, we didn't call it Red or Dead back then, she made a, a collection of eight items of clothing, um, kind of a Russian peasant look. Um, she didn't even put any washing instructions or anything. There was loads of, Kensington Market for those that, that, that which most people won't remember it because it's such a long time ago now was an amazing hotbed of where people could just have a go. You know, for a tech, it was a tech it was 10 pounds a week for a stall that you opened six days a week and you pulled a shutter down, you know, and, and locked up at night. And and um you didn't need the bank of mum and dad. You didn't need a bank overdraft. You could just have a go. And you know, Geraldine was there with a boy George next to her in a stall and, and then just a- along there was Zig Zig Sputnik and and it, and it was just there were so many people who went on to do amazing things mm-hmm. in there. And so it became this place that that people would seek out talent. And one day, uh, believe it or not, Macy's New York, who were like the, one of the biggest fashion department stores in the world, came in, ordered 180 items from Jodie. Bear in mind, she only had eight things on display. She, she made them all herself. She was sat there with a sewing machine. She took this order, like, oh, my God, luckily she's a combination of um, get up and go and daft you know, this,
1: <laughs> that's a great combination
2: yeah and um and and just took this order we just and then decided that i mean you know i think that impetuous impetuosity of youth which um you have at that age when you're still 19 20 whatever she was um and to take this order to have the chutzpah to take the order uh-huh. and having no idea how it was going to be delivered to to new york you know we'd never heard of macy's um, None of us had travelled. I'd been to Benidorm. She'd been to Torremolinos. That's the only time we'd ever travelled abroad. So you have never been near... to
1: New York, never seen Macy's. I
2: don't think Torremolinos is near New York, is it?
1: Not very, no. no. Although so, nowadays it might as well be for the travel we can do. But, yes, yes. it's not that close.
2: So so it, it, the, the next, it all sounds like a fairy tale, but my mum, who was you know, working, she, you know, she was not quite a waitress in a cocktail bar, but she was, um, as the song goes, but she but she was working in a, behind the a bar of the pub called the Halfway House between Blackman and Preston. She packed in that, said, right, with the money that you're making at Camden, um, I'm going to buy a load of um, second-hand sewing machines, which she promptly did off uh, um, Exchange and Mark, which for which for youngins listening is a bit like eBay, but it, was, yeah. but it would, came on green paper, I think, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or maybe was that
1: loot? I can't remember. But yes, I do. And so this is your mum doing this. Your mum's investing in the sewing machine. Yeah,
2: and then and then so so she 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 found this um, empty unit in this place called Rowley Mills in Blackburn. One of Jerry sisters who was working as a I think she was working as an an accounts lady in Riley's snooker tables in Accrington or something. She 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 could all her sisters could sew, so they all got left jobs, got stuck in, Um, and and we came up with the label Red or Dead and delivered the order and then over the next 18 years ended up with 23 shops designer of the year three years on a row stalwarts of of london fashion week and, uh, and then we end up selling it in 1999
1: so you were really young when you started that because you and gerardine are the same age right you so you were like eight nineteen twenty when you
0: would proclaim that 20, big order
2: 20, yeah I, i'm a year older just we're well, just under a year older so i think i was 20 20 and Jodie was 19, something
1: like yeah, yeah. So you weren't setting now out? I was 20,
2: Jodie was 19. Okay,
1: and you were, because I used to work on Camden Market um, a bit after that in the late, in the 80s, sort of 87 to 90, I worked on Camden
2: Market. But we, were, and, we were there yeah. till 89 on, on Camden.
1: Okay, yeah, I was by the stables, so I was right by the stables selling off um, stuff from film sets, so all the 1930s kind of fabrics and clothing all and right. stuff that just, yeah, so it was kind of 90, sort of deco period stall but when when you think about that I thought I was doing well managing to pay my way through university by selling stuff off and being entrepreneurial that way but what you did was a whole other sort of level of it so you weren't thinking well a couple of things strike me when you're talking about that one of them is family I guess it's kind of I've heard you talk about family and and it seems that family is massively integral to your whole world both your own birth family and your own family now your kids your wife is that fair to say
2: yeah, I mean, it was, I think if you can get on as a family, which is obviously not always, not everybody does that, and, and you're, and, and, you, and you, you, people can't do things on their own. It's really, really hard. You know, the, the reason why human beings come together in towns and cities, and that's why we've evolved like that, is because together we're stronger, aren't we? You know, that, that you know, obviously it doesn't work for everybody, but but when you do manage to create that t- a team it's like in football you know my, my I remember it's a long time ago now since Blackburn won the premiership but a little town like Blackburn the reason they won it is because they were a team that got together and, and Leicester recently I'm a big football fan as you can probably gather now mm-hmm. and and sometimes a team can override money and and, and just and, and it's that togetherness and, and, the, and the easiest team is, of, is often family where you know each other and you know your you know the skills and and I, I I was brought up in a, a, a family that worked. You know, my, my my father left at three, but but my mum and my nan and my pop were a team. They they knew how to make. They, there was no money. I mean, my, my nan, my mum had three jobs. You know, and, and my nan, her job was scrubbing steps, and my 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 grandfather worked at, at, at um, in the colliery, and so. But they, but they knew how to make life work, and and it was that, you know, Pop was Pop grew the vegetables, repaired everything. Nan, Nan, you know, did the cooking while the mum worked le- worked in the evening to earn money. And it just all of that, it just seemed. And, and I had to work. I worked from a very very young age doing stuff. You know, what did you do? Money. What were you doing? Well, just I was just expected to do stuff, to go to the shops, to to learn to cook, to to, to clean. To, to do things that were for the benefit of the house and, and the family, and and so and and, our, and and we've kept that going, and it and it's not it's not slave labor or child labor. It's just you know it, it it's just doing something to contribute towards. And I think we we we've taken that through um through our through our lives, and 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 you know our kids would never. They didn't get pocket money. They, like I never got pocket money, but you earn, you do things that are going to benefit, and 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 that's just. And so it became a very natural thing to do with with the business as well. And and it, and to this day, you know, there are um, five Hemingways working at Hemingway Design. You know, and 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 we we get on. You know, we.
1: So that's you, Gerardine, and three of your kids.
2: Yeah, yeah. Two are partners now. They're they're you know they're they're. Their mid thirties with kids of their own, mm-hmm. and, then, and then our youngest. But but the great thing is, is you know, we have disagreements. We it's are not like the fucking Waltons. Um, excuse the the kids um, <laughs> swearing. You know, we You know, we have we have disagreements, but that's all important. You know, that, you, that we have differences of opinions, and it, and it's not all lovey dovey all the time. And and but but it but, but in the end, we know that that we're a team.
1: So you've carried through very much, because a lot of your stuff, and we'll talk about this, is very much kind of issues-led, purpose-led, you know, there's a there's a real kind of moral compass that flows through everything you've done, as far as I can see. And so that's definitely come from kind of nurture from your background and the values you were brought up with of sort of equality, decency, you know, all for one and one for all. But one thing I guess that's very different, because you're a kind of... um I don't suppose you want to think of yourself as a patriarch in the world we're in now, but you are the kind of, um, you know, the male in your household, and you didn't have that in your childhood in terms of your dad, right? So you because your dad—that's an interesting story in terms of who your dad w- was and is, I guess, because your dad's still alive, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, I don't—I mean, I don't call him my dad because I think, I think for me that a dad is what hopefully what what I have been and what I am now to my kids, which is somebody, you know, who's been close to them and, and and shared you know he he buggered off you know for many for many reasons but you know is my father and um he's called Billy Two Rivers Chief of the Kawanaki it all sounds crazy but you know Chief of the Kawanaki tribe which is part part you know which is a, a Canadian you have to call it First Nation nowadays mm-hmm. but if people don't understand that it's Native American Indian is the you know is the is what a lot of us grew up under well what a lot of us grew up is red indian which obviously you can't use and i'll probably when this i'll probably get get told off for for saying that but that's old money but you know um he he is chief of the tribe um still lives on a reservation um just outside of quebec i'm in touch with my family but only in touch you know it's not I've, I've got a lot of cousins and, and half sisters and, and and things. And how
1: did a girl from uh, who wasn't quite working in a, as a waitress in a cocktail bar, but your mum in Morecambe, How did she? How did their parts cross?
2: Well, if you see my mum, when you see pictures of my mum when she was young, I mean, stylish is not the word. She made all her own clothes, but oh my god, she she just looked just unbelievable. And and she Morecambe, remember these seaside towns were very very different mm-hmm. to, Think of Margate today, mm-hmm. and you know that it, it is fashionable and, sta- and 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 it has got a vibe, a, a very strong vibe. About and you
1: guys it. have worked your magic on the seafront there as well. Yeah,
2: it, it, well, just think that seaside towns generally all around the UK were as vibrant as Margate is today, and as yes. fashionable as Margate as, as Margate is today, probably more so. And so, a place like Morecambe was when you see the pictures of the bars and the clubs, they're just unbelievable. It's like you're looking at 50s versions of Studio 54, and then you look into the 60s and you're thinking, what? It's like the most glamorous, exciting, dance band focused life that you could ever lead. Because people were, it was like 52 weeks a year of holiday and all the stars going there. So my mum, you know, went out with Cliff Richard, believe it or not. And I an know Cliff, you know, you know, dated Cliff Richard and certainly one or twice once or twice and and um i know that sounds quite unusual doesn't it it
1: one? does sound unusual there's uh, no one's ever said that before in this podcast and we've yeah. had some we've had some good tales
2: so it yeah. wasn't like so but, the yeah. meeting, meeting a heavyweight wrestling champion of the world in morgan was pr- pe- like because that's what he was at the time yeah Billy Rivers. wasn't that unusual because that's what was going on in places like Morecambe. it wasn't You know, it it was probably more likely to meet somebody like that in Morecambe than you would in a city.
1: It's funny, isn't it, the way, and, and then, because a lot of the work you do is looking at, at areas like that that have then become, you know, it, it all changed, didn't it? And then everybody, those places became really sort of burnt out and everything moved to London. And then there was an outflux from London again. And now there's a real emphasis on needing to see those places regenerated, not least because where can you afford to live nowadays? And, and how can you, and I know you work in, you know, with affordable housing that, but just going back to your family for a minute. So, um because the, the idea of, when you describe that, so in kind of three D Technicolor, and we get a sense of your home life and your mum and your nan, and the fact that your mum could just get all those sewing machines and knew what to do with them, and Geraldine's sisters knew what to do with them, so it sounds as if kind of like style and fashion and dance and music was at the absolute heart of of things. So you weren't. Music by any- and
2: fashion were always the passion at the Hemingway home. Okay. And Barry Manilow sang about it.
1: Oh, yes, of course. So music and... So so that was... So the idea of those... Was it there, do you think, before you, before you were even verbal, that clothes and music... It must have all yeah, just been seeping main, in when you were a baby, even.
2: I was lucky enough, you know, when... I think if you're brought up in a house... The word culture wouldn't have been used, but if you're brought up in a house where music and fashion matter... And they, and they do... and. It, People think, oh, does it matter? Yeah, it actually does. You know, listening to, to, to curl music, being... Because, you know, fashion is part of culture. The idea, you know, it's art. It's, it's, it, it, it's doing something to yourself. And it's also making yourself feel better a lot of the time as well. And when, especially when that is being done yourself, from buying fabrics off a market, going to a sewing machine, seeing all of that happen is just... That creativity at the same time, seeing my granddad do the more mundane side of creativity from making a planter to building a chair to, to growing uh, strawberries and raspberries in every little space that he could. All of that, you're lucky if you, if, I think you're very lucky if you grow up in an environment like that. It's, you know, it, it, it's as important as, you know, it's why so many musicians. Come from a, a house where some music was. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's that nurture. It's that you know. People say, "Is it are things nature or nurture?" Well, nurture is really, really important. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I was nurtured without being nurtured. They didn't. They didn't. They weren't there. Um, there was no idea from my background that there was such a career as design. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it just wasn't. That they they would have never considered that they were designers or, 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 or part of the creative industries in what they did. Mm-hmm. They just and, and neither did Geraldine, because she left school at 15 with no qualifications whatsoever. And she left school so that she could do what she loved to do the most. And that was going out and dancing, buying records, watching bands, and but also making the clothes, mm-hmm. having the time and the money, you know, to buy the fabric. To make, to make the clothes uh, to, to go out and look and look good on the dance floor you know and, and that, how
1: was she making the money then so was it because she's a working class kid right she was yeah, one she, of she several went, siblings
2: she went She went to work as a wages clerk
1: okay so she was train, working train by day working
2: to, clerk, yeah. okay
1: to pay yeah. for herself to be able to do the stuff she loved yeah and that's how she caught your eye presumably if she loved dance and she loved music yeah, I guess yeah, it was only I mean, a matter that, of time that you two were going to get together
2: yeah Northern Soul Night on a Wednesday in Burnley um, and um This young lady that looked completely individual, you know, properly individual, and and could dance um, and pretty, all those things, all of (laughs) those things uh, conspired to ask me to, to say, Would you like to dance, young lady? I thought you were
1: going to say she asked you, but yes, you asked her if she'd like to dance and luckily she said yes, or this would be a very different story. And do you want, um, because that's another thing that's quite unusual that not only have you had, you know, professional success, the two of you, but that you've managed to be married for what must it be now, 40 plus years, something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, but we're friends, you know, we, above all, we, and also does it, you know, when you've achieved what we've achieved, it's good to stay friends as well, you know, and it, and and we've got you know obviously it's it's a long time and and relationships don't stay the same but we've but we've got amazing grandchildren as well you know we've got amazing kids and and, and four grandchildren now and so and, four
1: kids four grandchildren yeah and the pets joy that, as well you got dogs as
0: well yeah
2: dogs and yeah and, it, and 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 the joy that you know that whole thing that that um that that grand that, that said that grand about, what i've learned about grandkids in these last 5 years is it's true about that thing about you get the best of it you know you give them back and it's just it's just a, it's just great it's just it's like it's just it gives you a new it's it's just another thing that invigorates your life
1: I've got massive dog and grandchildren envy. I'm getting a dog soon, but I can't guarantee when I'll be getting grandchildren. So, um, but I, I, <laughs> I, can only imagine the joy. And in terms of you, two, so, I mean, first of all, do you still dance? Is there still dance and music in the Hemingway? Yeah, resort? yeah. I mean,
2: there, there is because um, I, I've always bought me. I still buy vinyl. I've got seventeen thousand records. It's like I've so. Got is your one. place
1: not just like a record shop? Then does it not just um, at like our price?
2: No, there's, um, there's an amazing, we've got an amazing storage system which hides most of them and it then looks looks like a piece of art in its own right. Oh, so, fantastic. Um, so, and yeah, so I've got, I've, I'm, I'm always buying records and I've got my own, if anybody wants to listen to me, I do a mix a week on a Thursday on Mixcloud under, underway in Hemingway.
1: Excellent. We'll put and, a link then, to that.
2: Yeah. and um and, and then we've got all the events that we do at Hemingway Design, which always have a music element and a, a dance element to them. And then I've got, um, kids who love, you know, love going out, dancing. Again, they buy records. Um two of my youngest two are nightclubbers as 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 I as I and Geraldine um were. And and any chance that I get to have a dance, um, yeah, I don't I don't think I dance like a dad yet or a granddad. So yeah that's good mind you
1: dads and granddads never do think they dance like a dad or a granddad it's other yeah, people yeah but I, I to went say. to the, yeah
2: but I actually went to the proper club I was there at Wigan Casino okay I was there at Blackville <laughs> Mecca I was there at the beat group. I, I was there at the wag club on and, on and on and on and on and on and and the blitz and all that lot and the limelight so it's not as if you know you've earned your
1: stripes
2: I've earned my stripes yeah you're not just one of
1: those people sitting in a chair in an old people's home saying I was there at the you know I danced with well, my I,
2: mean, I, I genuinely crave and miss nightclubbing but I also know that it's for the it's for young it, it's mainly for younger people but I will go out with my kids occasionally very occasionally and 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 give us a chance to you know it's like yeah, give give any of us the chance to dance at, a, at one of the festivals we put on, and and yeah, we'll do it.
1: Do anybody's kids think they're cool then? Because my kids think I'm a complete asshole. Do your kids actually think you're cool? Do you think? Is that a possible uh, well, thing to, to happen?
2: They've, they've got to. Uh, the fact that they wear that they're always trying to raid Red or Dead archive. I bet they are. Who wouldn't yeah. be? Yeah. Yeah. So which we we you know we we haven't we have we have one of everything. And we try to keep it away from them. It's all all kind of in in an archive, but the the youngest youngest daughter especially... That's red or dead. Oh, yeah, got it, yes. So, yes, they, they... if, if they're going to if they're going to sneak things out of the archive and wear it to go out clubbing, then they can't call us not cool, can they?
1: No, they certainly can't, not without being abject hypocrites. And do you are all the kids cool then? If any, we, what if one of them had ended up being a you know a mathematician or a, have so they I all didn't. ended up in the sort of that, arts and fashion? Yeah, that's
2: the that's the thing. I was really hoping that that they wouldn't that one what some of them would go off and do something really really unusual you know and I, and, and I was always hoping that that one of them would um, partner off with some really really wild left field person that was so different to a Hemingway but but you know I think it's again it's that nurture thing isn't it they've all been we when they were young and our idea of a, a trip out was to go and see to, to we wouldn't we wouldn't have gone to for a beach holiday anyway we'd have, we'd have gone to a new, a brilliant new piece of urban design, or, or or a new town that was being built in 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 Sweden, or or we would go and see a new park or a beachfront park that was in in Oslo, or you know we we do something like that. And, and were they
1: all up for that? Because I tried they to loved do. It. They all they did because because kids are do, normally very different from each other, aren't they? So all four of them were up for we, those escapades. We would get, we would
2: get on bikes and we would and, and we'd always make it fun. But 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 they. They got really interested in in housing and, and architecture and, and and all of that and and but at the same time we were always we were still out partying through so you know we i was thinking about what you know three of them are old enough they were all taken to that massive uh oasis concert with at, at, at nebworth you know their, their yeah. biggest ever concert and and they and the other day i was out running along the thames and i, I just remembered that because bat, battersea power station is now you know what, what it is and I was thinking the last time that I went in Battersea Power Station, I took the kids to see a private prodigy gig. Mm-hmm. So they were always, you know, they, they were bound to, and that was to do with work though, because we were working on some design. So we, we, and and then we used to, and, and when they were very young, when we had Red or Dead, and we were doing, um, having to go and buy the fabrics from this thing called Premier Vision in Paris and buy leather from Milan, we would take them all around these shows and they'd be really naughty sometimes, just charging around, picking things up, throwing fabric.
1: And not many other kids around, I guess. I guess they were in a very grown-up world. Yeah, Yeah. But
2: but, but they remember it and they said, it was great, it was great. You know, we were doing, you know, it was such fun seeing all these shiny things. And so, yeah, I mean... And we used to think at the time that we were doing the wrong thing—that they should be in school. But we—but the only way that we could ever see them, because having a fashion company is really um quite debilitating in a way, because you don't have any spare time. It's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, it's mad. You—it's know, it's this treadmill. But, and, and the only—you way were turning
1: over multi millions at the oh, peak yeah, of Red or Twenty-five don't. million pound yeah, turnover.
2: Yeah. So we had to. We were stuck into this business. But so in the end, to see the kids, we would take them everywhere with us. And we we were afraid that we were ruining their education, but but we either did one thing, we embedded them in the creative industries, which they like being in and in creativity. Or we stop them being mathematicians and all of that kind but of But no thing. one can
1: say they weren't getting a pretty thorough education. I think you'd be hard pushed to say that wasn't an get, education. They were, getting,
2: they were getting a stimulating time. Yeah, yeah.
1: for sure. Yeah. Well, I've got an, a zookeeper as one of my kids. If you want to do a swap and see what it would have been like to get a very different one. Uh, How old you know, are you? Uh, 24 and 21.
2: Plummin you, you started quite young then, didn't you? I started
1: quite I think we all look good for our age, right? I think you Mm -hmm. don't look in your sixties. Hopefully I don't look well into my fifties. I think we're all doing a this is an audio medium. Everyone be like, yeah, stop (laughs) ranking off about how good you both look and tell us something we want to know. you said you're not the Waltons. I mean, for starters, you're better dressed than the Waltons. although they were quite cool looking back in. It, it's it. back in, is that
2: prairie look? <laughs> it is. I've seen, it, I've seen it in the magazine. Have you?
1: <laughs> and Little House on the Prairie, I used to love that as well. Contemporary references for our younger viewers here. Um, but d- is it as... You seem like a very grounded, like you and Gerardine, despite the fact that you weren't physically grounded, you were physically on the move but everything you're saying and the way you come across and and even when you look at Hemingway Design's kind of website and mission and, and and beliefs, it all seems very grounded and fair and reasonable and solid. Is it is it like that behind the scenes? Is that how it feels to be on the inside of the sort of Hemingways?
2: Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, it's just, I sometimes, I've always found it still a surprise when I get recognised in the street because it just feels... We're not like we're not like that. We're doing a job, and, be, and, we, and we're doing what we what we're capable of and what we're good at. I mean, Mum always said, you know, you're supposed to be on this earth to leave this place a better place than you found it, and, and that's that's what you try and do. And yes, we've got money, but we but you wouldn't think so. Um, from you know, I I still mainly wear secondhand clothes. You wouldn't, you can't tell them wearing secondhand clothes either. You have that eye, or you don't, don't you? You know, so we. know have we ever bought a flash car no i've got we've got a beautiful simple electric honda e electric car do we do we go on flash holidays no we don't we know do we travel business class geraldine does occasionally and i sit in and i sit in economy even on the same flight so that's how the mm-hmm. marriage has
1: lasted. Always be a plane's distance apart. I think <laughs> that's a good mantra. Is it what do your families think about? Because you, you, you know, you must have, even though in terms of your beliefs and your your passion for fashion and music are being very similar to your backgrounds, I guess not many people in your family have got two homes, living the lives you lead. What, what is your mum still alive?
2: No, my mum sadly, there's nobody left on the Hemingway side now. There's only you know, there's only the two rivers, there's only Billy left left now from. From my father's side
1: but your mum must have seen many of the glory years yeah, um, yeah. and what does she think of it
2: well she was just she dressed in she loved red or dead and I she, bet. obviously because I was the first one you know to, to to leave home properly to to come south you know I went to university in the end the first one to, first Hemingway to, to do that mm-hmm. um, certainly the first one to get wealthy and have a business and, and all of that so and it's the same on Geraldine's side as well you know so we're both, we're both firsts. But but, but but you've not turned into wankers. I think that's
1: what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, well, you, I
2: don't think... You, it's hard from our background, from... We were brought up correctly. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's this thing about, uh, you know, parent, parenting is, is so important, isn't it? And it's so sad when you, when you see people who've not had the benefit of, of, that, of that solidity of... Of You know, and I can say that without having a dad. But I still had a really solid, you know, my nan and my pop and my mum were just to have that. I'm so lucky. And you did
1: have a male role model. A lot of kids who don't grow up with a dad don't have a male role model. And that makes a big difference, I think. And, you know,
2: I can't I couldn't have had a better male role model than Colin Hemingway. I just couldn't have had one. Did he whittle? Was he a whittler? He just he was just he just did things. He just. He made things. He he sat um, um, and he, he sat smoking. He relaxed. He sat smoking his pipe, and he he kept everything tidy. And he he taught me how to fish, how to play cricket. He just he just didn't have a bad bone in his body.
1: Your da- your granddad is the sort of man I've been trying to meet my whole adult life, and I don't <laughs> think they make them like him anymore. Sadly. No, and I and I,
2: and I you know I genuine and Geraldine's dad's Geraldine's dad was just a proper man, just. The way he looked after, because Jodie's mum got pretty sick for for, for last for a long, quite a long time in the last part of her life. But he was just, he even gave up going to the pub and that was part of his his existence. You know, everything, it, it, just, it was just a proper, a proper man. And, and when you've got those role models, you prick yourself sometimes and think, you're not being like you. Your pop wouldn't. The, the amount of times I say to myself, your pop wouldn't have said that. Your pop wouldn't have behaved like that. Mm-hmm. And look how look at what a good man he was. And so
1: he's looking on and giving you a bit of a steer if you start to go
2: off beam. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, I, you know, obviously, I don't believe in all, that. He is looking on, but he's, he's metaphorically. He's in, yeah, is is yeah. imprinted in my mind of what a, a good human being should be.
1: And talking of being good human beings, so I remember as somebody who was very much, you know, I was working at MTV in the 90s, I was working at Camden in the 80s, and Red or Dead was absolutely part of the sort of, of popular culture. It was it was the, the name in street fashion for a long time, not, not just because it was getting awards. We didn't know about that, the people buying the stuff. It just was what we wanted to, um, you know, you were very much a sort of commentator on, on kind of culture and youth culture and fashion at the time. But the thing I really do remember, as well as as the stuff of yours I bought and the stuff I loved, was was this issues led thing. So I remember the stuff you did with Greenpeace. I remember the sort of stands you took. I remember the T-shirts. I remember you using real catwalk models, not using models. And I know I don't know if it's an apocryphal story about you turning down being able to have Kate Moss as part of one of your yeah, shows when yeah, she yeah, was yeah. at her peak. That's that's a true story. So all of that, all of that sort of stuff that has for that nowadays it's become kind of fashionable hasn't it that everyone's got corporate social responsibility and built in and people have got mission statements that they usually then write and disregard but nonetheless it's a thing back then it wasn't really a thing in a lot of successful businesses so you were you started with kind of creative genuine passion a love of what you did you didn't have a business plan I'm assuming you just got on with it because you loved it but Along the way, you didn't then get corrupted by the fact it became enormously successful and start to become people who are more cynical. You, 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 it must have been a successful business financially, but the ethos seems to have been the thing that's as much the legacy as anything else.
2: Yeah, well, we knew when we started, we didn't, we didn't know that that ethos that, that we had personally was going to be the driving force of the business. We just, we're just doing what we did, and then we written, but then we, we realised that it, that was the thing that was getting us the, the marketing. It, it was the thing that was making us, the fact that we were b- being issues-based and being political, um, which I always had been throughout my life and, and, and always spoke my mind about these things. The fact that that was getting us the column inches that was either pitting us against the Daily Mail, which I've always hated and been brought up to hate, and mm-hmm. um, pitted us against that, but was giving us a following of the people who we were proud to have following us, you suddenly realise, actually, it becomes part of your marketing, so we're not stupid, you know. So it wasn't we,
1: cynical, but you could immediately see a benefit for being yeah, like that. So yeah, it was yeah. authentic, but you also didn't mind using it for marketing. No, and then, and
2: then it became, like, the obvious thing that, actually, this is what, we must always do this, because this is this is what makes us different. This is our DNA. This is our USP, our raison d'etre. And, and when you've got that, um, you know, even though we didn't know about brand values and didn't talk about that, we did then start, a, probably in the mid, mid-90s, to start writing things down about this. Actually, we, these are our values. These, we, we created a Bible, the Bible according to Red or Dead. I, I, I found it the other day, and it literally printed, a bit blasphemous, everything, all the graphics around it, as if, it, as if it's one of those children's Bibles. But mm-hmm. it was, and it was just internal. Mm-hmm. Never let it, and, and and it was for everybody who joined us because we had three hundred odd staff at one stage. This was a big company,
1: but people so weren't we, thinking about company culture in those days, and no, you weren't. We, and it was instinctive, we, was it? Yeah, we so we yeah.
2: we created this Bible, which is not very PC in terms of it would upset religious people, I think. But it what, but it, but it was just internal, and it was just saying it changed, and it was changing the Ten Commandments. But it was, mm-hmm. but it was, it was still all, it's all good stuff. But like it, what? what? What would be a couple of things that were in it? Well, it, it 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 was it was it was saying things. Thou must not just think about the bottom line, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it was you know all written in in uh, in um old testament old testament language, uh, but but it was all the things that you've been saying. It was mm-hmm. you, you know about and we, we even talk about you must think about. The sourcing of your materials not not in that in those words and it was saying all all of those things and so we were really we did it in a typical red or dead um way of doing it you know just graphically and and, and everything and it's it's completely non-corporate but it is it's exactly it's exactly what brands are doing 25 in 20 yeah 25 years later it now. is
1: yeah. although they're not all doing it I mean there's a lot of lip service to doing it yeah. I think rather than it necessarily happening and in terms of the um one of the things when I was thinking about launching this podcast a year ago and I was trying to bring together you know the fact that I'm a comedian with the fact I've had a board level career with the fact of well-being and how do people bring themselves to work and one of the sort of things when I was explaining it to potential kind of producers and sponsors was at the end of the day you know can you make money without being a dick that's one of the key sort of tenets of, of what I'm trying to find out when I talk to people, because not only did you prove you could do that with Red or Dead, I've heard you sort of describe it as falling into affordable housing um, in terms of that being a focus then for Hemingway design. But it's maybe hard for a listener to think, well, how do you make the fall? Not that it's a fall downwards, but how do you fall across from fashion, street fashion into affordable housing? Um
2: that's a t- print, that's... That's, having, that's because the principles that we established that I've been talking about at Red or Dead are transferable uh, across, across any, anything that you do, any business. and any, When you know what you stand for, um, you, you can translate that to anything. And, and the, the problem is that a lot of things don't stand for anything. You know, we, we could have just stood for a nice blouse or a nice shirt to go mm. for disco in. But but like you said, the green, all these link ups to the Greenpeace, the, the sloganeering, mm-hmm. everything that we did meant that we stood for something. So it was a and and the best way of explaining that is that for no reason other than other than I had a voice, I got a voice with the, the media. I started to attack the national house builders for building, mm-hmm. you know, pretty awful housing for new generations that were devoid of soul, that were just. Identicate and just 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 way worse than previous previous um, than housing that had been built that not not forget about the style but the, but think about the generosity of some victorian or even mid century housing and the, the generosity of all that suddenly we were becoming really really mean and
1: this uh, was like late 90s early 2000s yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah it was starting to look really really mean and just about how small could we build how mean could we build how can we how can we strip out the beauty as much as possible and how can we pack things in and where can we put it that's as far that's on the cheapest land possible uh, and still and then and get our margins up and pay the shareholders more and it was pretty obvious what was going on mm-hmm. and 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 i wrote started to write about it and point out things that you know this this shouldn't be done like this and this could be done like that and in the end and and, and because we you know i suppose learning about marketing but not not trying to become housing developers or, or housing designers. I coined the phrase the wimpification and the baritification of Britain and attacked the number one and the number two mm-hmm. developers in the UK. And um, and and as a result of it, got in the independent newspaper when it was, when it was at its prime and, and, and then got on Newsnight and Paxman uh, sided with me in a debate with house builders. And the next day um, got, a, got contacted from... The CEO, uh, you know, the chairman of, of, of Wimpy, as, Wimpy Homes as they were called then Taylor Wimpy as they are now, and who and a long, to cut a long story short, his daughters who were big Red or Dead fans had had seen this and said, "You should speak to them because the reason why we would never buy a home that your company builds is exactly why you know we followed we followed um, the Hemingways and Red or Dead." Well, that's
1: interesting. So there was a cultural revolt from really within the home, yeah, on that side, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so that he he talked to us and we ended up designing a, a housing development. You know, literally we'd never designed any homes before, but you know, we put a team together to help us, obviously. And this was a big um,
1: scale, we're not just talking about tens of houses, we're talking
2: hundreds. homes. Yeah. You know, it, it's a small town. Yeah. Uh, and and we And where
1: was this? Where, where was this? That's called the
2: stafes in Gates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that is the number one. If we're if we're ever asked what what is the what is the project that I'm most proud of? It would be that, in, and more than red or dead, because really, think,
1: in your whole career, that's what yeah, you've yeah, heard yeah. of. Yeah, so I think
2: that. I think number one, how that impacts red or dead impacted on people's lives, but this really did impact on creating taking a a, a brownfield site that was never going to be used that was in. What, what the council called a donut of deprivation was just surrounded by housing that they were bringing down to, to an extent and, uh, you know, demolishing. And, and we created something for a young generation that was affordable, that was for key workers and that was just felt like an amazing place to, to live, to bring up your kids, to have a dog to go out running, cycling, but right in town as well. When was I'm, it
1: finished? When, when did people move um,
2: in? People started moving in 2003, and I don't know when it was finished, 10, 10 12 years ago. Um, Do you?
1: When did you last go there? Do you ever see oh, how go, it is now? I go regularly. Do you?
2: But if I'm ever anywhere within reach or passing through Newcastle and Gateshead, I'll get off the train and uh, and run to it and go, and go and have a look at it. And, yeah, it's just... It's a dream. Um, I can't believe that we did it, and and um, and, and that it's standing the test of, you know because it's twenty. It's next year. It's twenty years old. Um, so there'll be kids
1: having been born soon. There'll be yeah, the first yeah, grandkids yeah. from there living there, yeah, which yeah. is an amazing thing, isn't it? When you think yeah. about and starting it, to it, see it the just, legacy,
2: it just feels so brilliant when you're there and it looks so great and it's so green now it's so verdant oh i'm gonna do- go
1: visit i'm gonna yeah. I, i've had a look at pictures but i'm gonna visit and you then turned hemingway design um then became a sort of multidisciplinary design agency right so you're involved in a broad array of anything that might be connected to design now
2: yeah so we, we do a lot of brand place brand which is looking at how towns see themselves and how they how they behave uh um, we, we do lots of urban design, especially coastal and town centre with the creative directors of some big, um, very big development companies trying to you know edge them forward in, with purpose and, and with design. We, um, we've we got a big event, you know, loads of events. So I'm very proud of that side of the business, the, the National Festival of Making. The, we have the National Festival of Sustainability, which is called the Festival of Thrift. We have Vintage by the Sea in, in Morecambe, National Festival Makers in Blackburn, where I was brought up. You've got We've your car got, boots. Yeah, in, in London, classic mm-hmm. car boot sale, Urban Village Fate, which is the one takes place in Greenwich, which I, I absolutely love. Uh, that's it. You that's, do something um, at Cold Drops
1: Yard, don't you, King's Cross? Because yeah, that's just we, down the road from me. So I've seen yeah, you yeah, We do the, there. There the and drops there. And, yeah.
2: and we designed the shelter shop there. We you know in, Oh, I love that. Shop, yeah. yeah. To, so, where to yeah, get we, the right
1: bargains. And is um and, and I do want to talk before I ask you the three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. I, I just want to talk briefly about the Good Business Festival because as someone with a background in business the last thirty years, um, it's easy to talk about good business, much harder to execute. So, so just in terms of what that is, and you've also launched that during the pandemic, right? So, not an easy time to launch a massive, ambitious event. Uh, so, so just t- tell me a little bit and our listeners a bit about what that is.
2: Yeah, so the, the Good Business Festival is basically creating an international festival basing it in Liverpool to as as a place where people people come together for uh, there's like a big festival called South by Southwest where they In you know, Austin, the oh, I've
1: been to that many yeah. times. I had yeah. a boyfriend who had a bar in Austin, so I used to go back and forth a lot.
2: We, and it's an amazing event and, and and we wanted to say could business create an event that was social, interesting, but also add purpose behind it, and and so we created it at a time where, like you said earlier, a lot of businesses are um, either paying lip service or or actually believing that they can become more purposeful and start to have societal benefit. So this is a this is basically a festival about that, and we'll see. We've we've been um, the first one was supposed to be in October 2021, so no, October 2020, and um, and obviously. Um, covid made us go online and then we were supposed to then do the first in-person event in july 2022 and we had to just three weeks beforehand liverpool went into its second second lockdown oh yeah they got
1: a special um a special nasty bit of treatment didn't they yeah that's
2: it yeah so that that closed that, that that one down so now we are with the budget we've got left which is, um, you know, having done one online and one false start, I mean, to pull everything three weeks out, um, we are doing one which is still of scale uh, in, in March in Liverpool, in, in a few weeks, really
1: and it's about a broad church of business right so you're looking at it could be something to scale it could be a brand that people might think of as more of a kind of um, traditional big scale brand or it could be something like patagonia which is clearly yeah. something more of a trailblazer in another way so you're trying to bring We've got all those patagonia partners
0: together. in it how
1: oh, are they
2: okay but say, you know patagonia partners and it, and it's really for if you want i don't think nowadays you could start a business and grow it without having Realising that you you cannot just think about bottom line and about mm-hmm. profit because there are too many brands who are who are think who are not just thinking that and who will get more love from the purchaser by feeling that they are grounded in society. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the so Philip think Greens of the world have thankfully done for the really cynical old capitalist model, don't you? I think, that,
2: I, think I think he's I think he, the Philip Greens of this world are gone now. Yeah, I, I obviously hope so. there will there will be. There will be some stragglers, but I don't think there'll be another quite like him. Sadly, who's... he
1: took Shop down with him, which is a shame. Yeah. That could have yeah, ended a better yeah. way. Yeah,
2: yeah, but there won't be another. There won't be another one like him on that scale, I don't think. And and I think this the the idea of this event is to celebrate that, mm-hmm. but also to, so young, so small businesses and startups can learn, you know, from others who are doing it, from the Patagonias of this world, who are, who are truly purposeful and 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 uh, you know and stick to their principles, but also. There's a lot of the big companies are doing it now, and 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 they do mean it because they realise that they have to mean it. They may not, they may have started to do it through a gritted teeth. Mm. But when you start to When you start, you realize that you can survive and you can still make money, and and, but you can be good as well. Then, then it works.
1: Mm -hmm. And is it in terms of is there a um, in terms of getting into that? Can people do people pay to attend? We'll put a link in the show notes. But how do people can small businesses? Yeah,
2: it's it's next to nothing. I think it's a tenner. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, I would say it's pocket money, but as we know, we don't believe in that concept. What would you pick, Wayne, out of your you've had quite a few moments and you talked about the affordable housing being your kind of biggest achievement, but if you had to pick a Namaste motherfucking life-changing moment, if you had to pick one, well, what would it
2: I, be? It's going back to that thing about playing in a band, um, having no money for the rehearsal studios, having to find it, and then seeing in time out that there was that that, that um that this new market, Book Street Market in Camden. Was starting and getting up that morning at four in the morning, uh, after being after being at the beetroot the night before, the be- one of the best clubs mm-hmm. ever existed. Just just not going to bed, filling a bag and going down to Camden, queuing up, and getting a stall near the front of that market on the first day of that market. If and that was.
1: And that was part that was more of a financial necessity in a way than a dream, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you had to pay the rents.
2: Well, a combina- a combination of a combination of financial necessity, of a fact of being excited about being in London and and, and 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 an opportunity and just feeling that you know London felt like a place where young people could have a go. And I was determined to do it.
1: And what would you pick as your favourite
2: joke? Well, it would have to be. Not, and a lot of people won't know this guy, but Les Dawson, you know, partly because a Lancastrian, and and partly because my nan and my pop absolutely adored adored the guy, and my mum adored him as well, and and partly because he was so clean, I think, just as as you know as 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 a as a comedian. So um, Duck goes into a chemist shop. A tube of lip please, he asks certainly that will be 50 pence says the shopkeeper put it on my bill please
1: (laughs) that's excellent you see they don't write them like that anymore Wayne Mm. they don't if you had to give one bit of life advice to anybody listening what would it
2: be well I think it I think it would be um understand why you're doing something um you know, I think if you've got your own purpose and, and, and also to, to, to love what you do, I, I think if you think about work because you think, oh, that, that you, get, you earn really good money doing that, you're less likely to earn really good money in the long run because you probably won't enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. But if you can do something because it really excites you and you want to get up in the morning, you're more likely to succeed, aren't you? I mean, it's, it's common sense. But uh, if I didn't like doing what, what I did, of what I do, well, I, I just want to, All of this wouldn't have happened. It just wouldn't. It's been bloody good fun, and it still is. By the sound It still of is It's really good fun. Yeah, it is. You and the world I, I is get,
1: still getting bigger. When a lot of people, as they get to our age, their worlds start to get very small. It's a privilege, isn't it? If it keeps.
2: I get up. I, I've I've no problem getting up at four in the morning because I wake up and I think I want to do that and I want to get I want to get that done so I can do this later. And, and it's not going up so I can go on because I want to play golf. It's because there's, there's really interesting things to do and to think and to, and to deliver.
1: That was Wayne Hemingway. Every episode, as you know, I pick a thing inspired by my guest that I am going to do. And this week I am going on a road trip. I'm going to travel to one of Hemingway Design's affordable housing developments. I've picked one that's not a million miles from where I live in London. I mean, it's a little way away. It's Hillington Square, which is an estate in Kings Lynn. And um, Hemingway Design led a 30 million pound regeneration project on the estate. And among other things, there are now communal gardens with raised beds for vegetable plots. I think it looks and sounds lovely. There's a link to it in the show notes. So that's where I'm heading off to. And uh, I'll probably get the train because if I drive, that's not very sustainable, is it? So that is it for this week. Remember to rate, review and recommend the show. It helps more and more lovely people like you keep on finding us. And we will be back in your feed next Monday, as always, for a special Valentine's Day show when I will be talking to everyone's favourite innuendo-led etymologist and star of Celebsco Dating, Mr. Tom Reed Wilson.
2: I remember having my first erection watching Hunter in the Gladiators when I was about five.
1: Namaste, Motherfuckers, was written and presented by me, Callie Beaton, and produced by Mike Hanson and Karusha Dhani for Pod People Productions with music by Jake Yap. I'm Callie Beaton. Until next time, motherfuckers. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, oh,